the Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 123. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, if you haven't heard in a while that our partner magazine, Pre-Med Life, is out there for you to consume a ton of great articles, go check them out at premedlife.com. And if you're struggling with the MCAT, go to freemcatgift.com and download our 30-plus page report to help you survive that dreaded MCAT. Today, we have a non-traditional student, Matt, joining us, who emailed me after I posted on Reddit saying, hey, we have this podcast and I'm looking for some great guests or potential guests. And so, Matt, no joke sent me this huge email, gave me all of his stats, even sent me his AMCAS application to review to see if if he would be a good guest, if I would like to have him on the show for you to listen to and to learn from. And he does have a great story. I, I was looking through his AMCAS application and he, like many of you, struggled the first couple years of undergrad or the first couple semesters and really didn't have his path set, didn't really know why he was there, what he was doing. And you can tell that in his transcript. He's got lots of withdrawals, a few poor grades. And what he ended up doing, which you'll hear in a little bit, is he went and joined the military. Now, obviously, me being a flight surgeon in the Air Force and Matt being a a Navy bum, we were able to talk about the military a little bit. But He shares a ton of great information, some stories, his transition period, and how he overcame some of the struggles, what was easier than he thought, what was harder than he thought. So I am excited to have you hear what Matt has to say. All right. Well, I joined the Navy after I had left college without a degree to join the Navy band. And you get that guarantee before you enter the military that like, hey, you're qualified to be a musician. So I joined the military to be a professional musician full time. And the mission of the military bands, yeah, there's the ceremonies and the parades that a lot of people think about. But it's also, you know, an education and recruitment tool. So a lot of my job did revolve around sort of that public relations setting. And I spent my first two years overseas in Naples, Italy. And man, we went everywhere. I think I did. Yeah, well, (laughs) well, I think we traveled in 23 different countries over the two years I was there. Did the West Coast of Africa, the East Coast of Africa, traveled up to the Black Sea. So I got, I mean, yeah, I'm ridiculously lucky with how much I got to experience of the world. But, you know, our our job there was to sort of like build relationships with foreign countries. And it was a really great, amazing, life-changing experience. 
And actually, the one of the Africa trips that I did is the opening paragraph of my personal statement because it really was a completely like world changing perspective shift that happened. So after that, I spent my last four years of the Navy in Newport, Rhode Island, and got to travel to a lot of high schools. We worked with a lot of local recruiters. And we would do performances at the school and we would work with the high school programs. And, you know, we'd tell them about the opportunities available in the military with, you know, scholarship, tuition assistance, all of the great things that the military can offer people. But honestly, one of my favorite parts of the job was that interaction with all the students. And that experience kind of led me down the road that got me to the point of like, hey, medicine. Because I realized, hey, I really like working with students and sharing my experiences and sharing my knowledge. And so I started looking for volunteer opportunities and other things I could do. And the, the base up in Newport has a program called Atlantis, where they bring on kids to work with science and technology and engineering. They shuttle them in on base and they spend a full day on the military base. And they take a lot of the technical experts and... They'll, you know, explain what they do in the military and the sort of education they did. And they had like, you know, 3D printers and they would do, you know, build a motor car and stuff like that. You know, just an education initiative to get kids interested in science and engineering. It was really, really cool. And so that experience kind of, you know, it re-triggered that science switch in my brain, I guess. Interesting. I want to rewind and go oh, yes, sir. <laughs> go back to before the Navy. So you had mentioned that you were in college, but you left without graduating. Now, it sounds like from your story that you weren't pre-med originally. What did you go to college with aspirations? What were you hoping to dream to be? I'm sure this is a relatively common thing with many pre-med people, but you know, you grow up through high school and you're kind of like, not to sound arrogant, but like you're kind of good at everything you do. So like, you know, I was on the basketball team. I was in the band. I was valedictorian, et cetera. All of those things. And <laughs> not every pre-med student is as awesome as that. Well, I went to a small private school, so it was okay. a little easier to do those so things. So <laughs> y- you were number one out of one. Okay, 25. But... <laughs> But then I got to college and I was like, okay, I'm going to do engineering because I love science and I'm good at it and I love math. And it really was aimless. At points I had engineering, math, music. I considered music education. I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But the only thing that I felt passionate about during those years was music. I was playing in like five different bands and I just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it was the first thing that I felt true passion for. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And so I switched to a full-blown music major. But what I really wanted to do, come to find out, was just to play in bands. And <laughs> you, you wanted to be just a rock and roll star. Exactly. Right. I mean, come on, so, the rock star is appealing. You sent me your application, uh-huh. and I've seen your transcript. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's not pretty. No, I think I got like nine W's on there and three F's, which honestly were 
that was a case of not withdrawing in time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, my transcript is ugly. I left college with 92 hours and a 2.8. Yeah. So not pretty and not obviously prime numbers to be accepted to medical school. So once you, you, you went on your Navy journey, you did the band thing for a while, and then you realized that you wanted to go and be a physician. How did you start to gather this information to overcome all of these withdrawals and the Fs? Or did you think that you had no chance? Honestly, up until December 20th of 2014, three months ago, that fear was there the entire time. I've struggled with that fear ever since. I knew going into it that I had a past to work against and it terrified me. But, you know, my experience in the military, really sort of like growing up and kind of coming to myself and figuring out what I really want to do with my life and my place in the world. I was like, you know what? I'm still relatively young. I don't want to look back in 20 years and say like, I sure am glad I did that because it was an easy thing to do. And so I was terrified, but I I left that music career. And don't get me wrong, like I'm still a musician and I'll always be a musician. But I was like, I got to give this a try. And so what did you do to take those first steps? So, you know, I did a lot of reading on the internet first, which I guess is, you know, end up on student doctor network, which tends to scare you more if you're in that situation most of the time. Mm -hmm. But no, like one of the things I did after that Atlantis program I talked about, I went to the local Naval clinic and I was like, Hey, is, is there any opportunity I have to like volunteer? Can I, you know, hang around you guys and see what's up? And I did it. And, you know, military medicine, as you know, is a different beast than civilian medicine in a lot of ways. And I guess, you know, it was still two or three years before I got out. But just family friend, physician, I was on leave home for Christmas. And I was just like, hey, do you care if I shadow you? And honestly, that was kind of an aha moment was shadowing him and spending time with him. And he was so generous with his time and his experiences with me. It really was sort of a, you know, a light switch moment. Seeing him interact with patients and describing his day and all of the day to day and even the, the headache of the bureaucracy, which you get used to being in the military. I was just like, man, this, this is really what I want. This fits everything that I've been searching for for the past three years. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you again. I'm going to push you a little bit more. So you have these moments where you know you want to be a doctor, but you still have all of these withdrawals and three Fs on your transcripts. What in your mind led you to take those steps to actually go, you know what, I'm going to be pre-med and I'm going to figure out how to do this. Who did you talk to? You obviously had to go to a school, an advisor or somebody. Yeah, I did. Another one of my trips home, I did talk to the advisor at my university. 
I told him my situation and uh, he, he was, uh, no, he was actually very reassuring. All right. And, you know, he, I told him, I was like, you know, I know this is awful and I'm, you know, swimming against the current and all of that. But no, he was very, very reassuring. He's like, you know what? That was like 10 years ago. What, what have you done recently? And so I had finished my degree while I was still in the military. And when I got out was when I completed all that science coursework. So I guess it was a combination of all those little explorations of sort of talking to like, you know, the pre-med advisor, physicians. I had a long phone call with a, an old family friend who, uh, he's a dermatologist. And we talked for a really long time. So I guess I did talk to a lot of people and they were all very reassuring of like, you know, that was in the past. What have you done recently? And so it, it was all very positive and reassuring, but also realistic of, you know, yeah, you, you need to be on point from here on out. Mm -hmm. Did you have anybody that doubted your ability? I will never forget when I, I called home to my dad and I was like, hey, I, I think I'm going to chase medicine. I think I want to be a doctor. And he was kind of like, what? Uh, okay. You know, very, very much. I could hear in his voice because, you know, he was with, with me through all of those failures. and. He's a very positive guy, very, very, I mean, he's one of my role models, great leader, very compassionate. And, but I could just hear it in his voice that like, it was, oh yeah, sure, you're going to do this, just like you've done everything else in life. And it wasn't mean. It was within the context of our relationship and I knew it, you know, that was just him seeing me grow up and everything that I'd done in life. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say it, but what I heard in his voice was that was the reality check that I needed. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. It was like, you know what? My dad's right. I can't keep doing what I have been doing in the past and make this. I'm going to have to make changes. Interesting. It's a good way to look at it. Because I, I know there's somebody listening right now that is in a very similar situation to where you have been, where they started undergrad, didn't really know what they were doing and drifting from one thing to another and left with a 2.8 GPA and now wants to go be a physician, but maybe they're not as lucky as you and, and had so much support as you had. What, what do you say to that person who is getting the pushback of, oh, you're crazy, you can't do that, you couldn't even... You couldn't even get a, a B average doing pottery in, in college. I think there is an element to prove them wrong, but I mean that in the sense of not doing it from a place of revenge. I think it's important when you hear any negativity to be able to take the good part of that negativity on board and that's part of that self-awareness and self-critical aspect that, in a sense, you know, the personal statement asks of you, of, you know, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And 
it's hard. It's hard on the ego. But if somebody gives you some sort of negative feedback, I feel it's really important to take what they say and try to see if there's any truth in that. Because I really take on board the mantra, there's no growth without conflict. And the idea is that, I mean, and it's common in a lot of philosophies. As iron sharpens iron in the Bible, there's Sun Tzu, no growth without It's a really common thing. So when somebody, you know, says like, oh, you're never going to be able to do that. My question would be like, well, you know, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. And try to get to the truth of what it is they're saying. Like, and sometimes people are just mean. And <laughs> you're going to all into hang that. out on Student Doctor Network. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay. No, it's hard. And I'm by no means perfect. And, you know, what I described with my father was in a sense that, and I know that I'm lucky to have the supportive environment that I do. So you got into medical school, yes, right? Sir. You have an acceptance. Uh-huh. Fast forward to that phone call to your dad that said, I'm going to be a doctor. What was his response? Nothing, but he wasn't amazed. He knew that I had the potential to do it. But it was very much a pride in stating to him, I guess, four and a half, five years ago, hey, I'm going to do this. And then I made it. And it was, and I told him, I let him know as soon as I told him, I wouldn't have made this if you had not responded the way that you did when I first told you I was doing this. Wow. That's cool. I bet he's very proud. So he's not a physician. Is he in healthcare at all? No, he is actually a school administrator. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So you obviously fixed something in your ability to perform well in classes. As you transitioned back to being a student, which a lot of people listening are doing, how did you find that transition and what did you do to ease any of the, the pain and suffering? Uh, <laughs> so I jumped back in and I think my first semester back, I had an analytical chemistry course and cell biology, just not easy classes. It's not like a gen chem where you're doing stoichiometry the whole time. Like it was terrifying to me because I was like, I'm so far behind everybody. You know, they've been doing this stuff for a year or two already. I'm so far behind. And I feel that the first eight weeks or so, eight to 10 weeks, half the semester, I struggled just from that outsider component of like, I'm so far behind these people. When I started making more friends and communicating more with, you know, everybody in that community, pre-med, chemistry, biology, I was like, you know what? I'm not behind. I just need to keep working hard and, you know, help other people where I can and they help me where I, where they can and, and we're going to be good. And fortunately I learned that early and I made some really, really great friends despite our age difference. And we helped each other 
through a lot of those coursework, you know, organic chemistry and all of the stuff that pre-meds always have to deal with. I, so, I like that there's another, another example of collaborating with your classmates and not viewing them as competition and that, how that helped everybody. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm still trying to help. There's a, one of my friends who we were in OCHEM 1 and 2 together, sat next to each other the whole time, lab partners and everything. And he's going through the application process right now. And so I'm trying to give him any tips that I can of like, hey, I wish I'd done this differently or hey, like make sure you do this. And it's, yeah, it's been so great having friends along the way to help in the process because I'm the outsider. I'm the old military guy who's, you know, towering over, over everybody. So yeah, it's, it was good. I wouldn't have made it without those relationships. That's great. What was the, the easiest thing coming back and making that transition? What went smoother than you thought it would? I guess I would probably say just the, the day-to-day aspect of it. Like my perspective as 18, 19, 20-year-old in college, and by the way, I'm only 32 now, but it always felt, I don't know, laborious in some way. Like, But going back after being in the military with like strict schedules and everything, and honestly, as far as like the scheduling went and time management, in a sense, felt like the easiest thing in the world. After coming off a real job in the military, and I know that, you know, for instance, a 19-year-old college student right now is going to be like, oh, yeah, it's easy for you to say. And you're right. Our perspectives are completely different on that. I'm only relaying how that felt to me. That time management and scheduling felt like it was super easy coming back to the academic environment. Mm. Yeah. And it it is all relative as a 18-year-old on campus versus a 20-something-year-old, the perspective of life is just totally different. So it does make it a lot easier. And that's something that, as a non-traditional student, you have that advantage. You have those life lessons under you. And it's, you have a huge advantage. So you thought in your classroom setting, you were at the disadvantage that everybody else was ahead of you. But in every aspect, I guarantee you, you're ahead of that other person. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was interesting trying to sort of find my place on campus. Because, of course, I mean, I'm not immune from preconceptions. And it's like, all these people are going to view me as like the creepy old guy or, you know, <laughs> anything like that. We're, you know, we're all human. And so I think once I stopped having all of those preconceived notions and just treated people like people, everything else kind of flowed from that. Mm. Awesome. So talk about your experiences during the interview process as somebody who had this huge non-traditional path of starting undergrad, dropping out, going to the Navy, coming back, starting off very poorly with your GPA and then coming back and doing well. How did those discussions go, if at all, during your interviews? I think one thing that really helped, you know, a common notion for personal statements in interviews is kind of show, not tell, 
Like you don't say like, oh yes, I'm an excellent leader. You say like, hey, I did this. And having sort of seven and a half years of military experience, pretty much any of those questions that weren't directly medical slash patient focused, I had something in the bank to say, oh yeah, we did this. And, you know, I ended up doing this and this was the outcome. So I feel like in a sense, I went into that interview just, you know, basically holding a hundred five dollar bills instead of two. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. That's great. And so did it come up at all? Did an interviewer ask you what the heck happened? I got one question that basically was like, what makes you think you can handle medical school? You know, kind of looking at those past grades. And, you know, I started off with the idea that the military in general is meant to be a life altering experience. You go through boot camp, you go through training, all of those things. And there absolutely is an element that shifts your perspective because they make it challenging on purpose to make you grow into somebody that can function in that military lifestyle, in the units and the military structure. So I started with that. And then I went on to say that, you know, once I became focused, I learned how to best work. I needed to set very concrete, discrete goals to myself. Like, for instance, if I set a goal for myself of like, hey, I got to get fit, I'm not going to do anything because that's a completely amorphous goal. It's, you know, being fit is not an actual goal. Mm. But if I say, you know, hey, I want to do this program every day for six weeks, then that's something I'll follow through on. And a lot of it is just sort of, you know, a psychology, you know, figuring out how your mind works with that goal setting. And I learned how to do that with all of the different tasks that we ended up having to do in that military organization. And so I passed on that. It really was a learning experience of how can I produce? And I didn't have that when I was first in college. Because, you know, high school was like, okay, here, do this assignment. Okay, turn it in. And I excelled in that environment. And college didn't have that same type of environment. And then as well as the, uh, the music thing I told you about. But it was sort of learning what I needed to do to be able to produce and meet and achieve goals. Okay. And looking forward as you're getting ready to start medical school coming up in the fall or late summer, what are you planning to do to help keep you on that same track of being successful as a student? Part of it is that same idea of I need to set very like concrete, real goals for myself. And obviously, having not had a medical school experience yet, I can't say specifically what that is. But, you know, a lot of it is going to come down for me to say, okay, this day I need to do X, Y, and Z for 
you know, whatever amount of time. And I have a wife and two dogs as well. So there's, there's that aspect to it too. And I absolutely was not perfect with the past two years of undergraduate work. And so my failings in sort of applying the lessons I learned with how to be productive, the failings that I had with my undergraduate coursework, which, I mean, they weren't failings, but I could have done better. I learned from those lessons, basically. Like, hey, I, I screwed up that. I can do this, this, and this to not do that again. So in a sense, it was sort of recognizing my own pitfalls. And so I found a system that works for me that comes to goal setting. And I've so far recognized quite a few pitfalls. And so I've now put, you know, little traps in my head of like, hey, you're doing this. And so does that make sense? Yeah. Like I've sort of discovered my own failings or at least some of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll continue to discover more. And that's exactly what we talk about a lot with course correction is taking the time to do a reality check or mm-hmm. check in with yourself and find out where you are during a semester, during a specific period of time and go, okay, here's where I'm at. Is this where I want to be? Where do I want to be? And how do I get there if I'm not there? And so it sounds like that's what you're doing. And, oh, and that's great. Absolutely. And I think it's very, very easy to win those moments where course correction can happen. It's very easy when it comes from an outside source to say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about or to make excuses for yourself. And it's just so easy to do. And like, I always try to caution my friend because I mean, I you know, my friend will call me up and it's like, oh man, I'm having this problem at work and blah, blah, blah. And this person said this. And, you know, I'm always do my best to be supportive, but I also try to add that extra perspective of like, well, is, you know, is there any truth to what they're saying? Because I mean, like what I said at the beginning, it's easy when it comes from an external source to let the ego get involved and not take on like, hey, maybe I do need to fix this. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So, Matthew, what's your best piece of advice for a pre-med student who is struggling on their journey? Other than the, you know, the standard sort of thing is like, hey, excel in your classes and volunteer, you know, all of those really common things. My best piece of advice, I think, is to seek out situations that challenge you in some way. And you know, don't go do a volunteer experience just because it's volunteering. Try to find something that really, you know, challenges you in some way, like challenges your perspective of other people. Find a a course that is not necessarily even academically challenged. They'll challenge your perception. You know, like if you have a spot in your schedule, take a, a logic and philosophy course or something like that, something that you wouldn't normally take. Find ways to challenge yourself And if you are really challenging yourself, you will grow as a person. And, you know, I feel like the pre-medical path, a lot of it feels like box checking, but I feel like if you're doing it right, what you're doing is challenging yourself so that you grow into the person that medical schools want to accept. 
All right. Again, that was Matt. I thoroughly hope you got a ton of great information. Having stories like this, I think I've gotten more emails, more feedback from you that says it was this story that resonated with me or that guest, the struggles that that guest went through is the same struggles that I'm going through. And that showed me that I can do it. So hopefully something that Matt said today clicked with you and you'll be able to overcome whatever you're struggling with right now. So that is that. If you liked today's show, do me a favor and go take 30 seconds and go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and leave us a rating and review. This is how we get more people to listen to the show because iTunes ranks us higher because iTunes goes, oh, look at this show. It's getting more ratings and reviews. It must be good. Let's boost them up on the list. If you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes, leave us a rating and review, and I'll read yours or part of it on the show just like I'll do now. We have T. Swicer, I think that's how you say it, says, I got into medical school because of this podcast. That's a great review. It says, I am proud to say that I have received my first acceptance into medical school yesterday, and I could not have done it without all of the invaluable information I learned on this podcast. I truly believe that it gave me the edge I needed to be the best I could be and be accepted into medical school. That's awesome. Congratulations to you, T. Swicer. We have YH461 who says, best pre-med podcast ever. I think we're the only one, so that's kind of the default. There are a couple older, older pre-med podcasts that aren't around anymore. They're, you can still find them, but they're not really active. So I'll take best pre-med podcast, even if it's the default. Thank you for that. And Big Oliver 101 says, very informative. Thank you so much for this podcast. This helps me pass the time while I'm working 12-hour shifts as a nursing assistant. So I'm glad I can kill some time for you there, Big Oliver 101. Again, if you want to leave us a reading interview, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. Go check out premedlife.com for tons of great written articles to supplement your listening here every week. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. 